filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. started a podcast and like seconds beforehand there's some news it's not really filibuster news it's kind of filibuster adjacent um i think it's, but it's good news yeah it's definitely good for once uh don't 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 be afraid of this news for once uh it's the nwsl players association has ratified the uh first collective bargaining agreement which is not done uh the board of governors still has to also ratify it but uh if the players ratified it seems to be that they're probably going to finish this thing uh, and get it across the line. So players will report uh, on time, which is tomorrow. Like we're like 12 hours, like players in 12 hours will be like putting on their shoes at training for the spirit. Before you um, hear this podcast, it will yes. happen. Um, and unless you're Ben tomorrow morning, uh, re-editing this, <laughs> Ben's the one person that will get to hear this uh, before they've begun training most likely. Um, but yeah, uh, very cool news to see that uh, unions uh, can work, uh, and in this unions case, are good. Seem, seem to have succeeded. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. And also, we didn't have too many other things to talk about to start the show. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is filibuster, the Black and Red United, and uh, hooray unions podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. I am in a union. Uh, I'm joined by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we cover DC United and the Washington Spirit and some other teams. Uh, this podcast, of course, is about DC United, and that's what we're talking about tonight. We have DC United's first preseason game of the year to talk about to the extent that we are able. Uh, we have a little bit of player news. Before we do anything else, though, Ben, what are you drinking? I am still drinking uh, Reservoir Bourbon out of Richmond, Virginia. I believe I had this last week, or if I didn't, then I meant to have it. Um, and yeah, it's good. My child is a cheese thief, uh, and that's all I have to say. It's a it's a good quality in a kid. Yeah. Now, see, as much as I've talked to you guys about how I'm not necessarily huge on children's movies, I feel like a movie about a child that is a cheese thief is a movie that should exist. I feel like the stakes would ramp up to comically high levels. Well, yeah, yeah, well of course. course. It has to become a madcap caper, I feel like, yes. for it to, to entertain anybody. Well, I, and um, I feel like... Otherwise, I it's feel just like, someone that has some cheese that they're like hiding behind their back. Well, and I feel like the uh, United States National Strategic uh, Cheese Reserve has to eventually get involved. Yes, obviously. I'm just trying to figure yeah. out if that should be in like the second act or the third act. Like, how early do you get to that point, and where do you go from there? Probably second act, and then the third act is, but the moon is made of cheese. I like I like where your head's at, Bromley. <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I kept it real simple tonight. I've got uh, some Evan Williams on the rocks, and that is it. I was going to have a beer, and then I realized that uh, I would have been drinking the same beer as I drank last week, opening myself up to a recurring bit on this show and decided not to do that to myself. 
Uh, how is that, Budweiser? You still have the one beer? <laughs> you guys have mixed up which beer it is. I think that breaks the bit. <laughs> Adam's not even sure which brand it was. I, I, it's been a month <laughs> in this house. It has. It has. You're allowed um, to forget. I just, I'm also allowed to use that to escape the bit. Um, as for me, I am drinking a hot toddy with some old overholt rye, uh, hot water, of course, honey, and top shelf lemon peel straight off the lemon. Nice. Uh, and drinking it in my wonderful Waji Villa mug, which the listeners can't yes. see, but I think I've talked it's about it on, on the, the podcast before. before. Yeah. I think you've, you've showed it to us while saying the listeners can't see it. That is uh, that is a thing I do from time to time. I mean that, that that is how podcasts work. Yeah. Um if you if you if you're not familiar with Waji Villa, Google it. It'll be on Cartilage Free Captain. It's part of the recurrently generated Premier League, and it's a wonderful story uh that is the opposite of heart heartwarming in every way. <laughs> and I love it so much. Uh should we talk about the game of soccer that DC United allegedly played this week? I mean to the extent there, that we can. There are solid reports from multiple people that they played that game. Yeah, we can. We Source, can, Sources tell me that they played a game. We have it from multiple sources that DC United has now finally played their first preseason game of 2022, beating Inter-Miami one to nothing down at Drove Punk Stadium. Drove uh, Punk. On a second half goal from 17-year-old DC United Academy midfielder Jackson Hopkins, formerly known as Jackson, followed by several numbers. Now Jackson Hop on Twitter. Um, we we don't know much from the game because it was not streamed, and we're going to talk about that first because right now that's that is the most pressing issue when it comes to this game is the fact that we don't know much of anything about it. Ben is Ben is wagging his pen as if to scold uh, a, a party that uh, did disallowed streaming. Um, I mean, which, uh, just like they back it. in like in the mid 2010s, we used to get like terrible streams, streams where sometimes all we heard was the wind, sure. uh, streams where sometimes we just saw uh, construction equipment in the background. Yeah. Shout out but, to IMG Academy, and it's always yes. under construction status. Streams where sometimes we had to pay $15 to watch one game. Again, shout out to IMG Academy. <laughs> yes. But we at least got to see something. And like, yes. if like, they can obviously broadcast from Dervpank Stadium. It is an MLS stadium. They could just fire up some cameras and throw it on youtube and 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 bingo bango well, it's especially so, weird because inter miami specifically live streamed their entire first day of preseason um but not the game it's not like right and it, and miami has streamed a different preseason game i believe they're they played four days beforehand against um i can't remember which south american team um but that game reportedly was streamed but just give us, we're giant nerds, we need this. We've gone like two months without MLS and we need this. So just give us what we need and stream these games. It's also weird to me, like, Ben, you brought it up back in, you know, 10 years ago, seven years ago, MLS seemed to be trying to make soccer spring training a thing. Yeah. The thing about spring training is people go down there and they go to spring training games. 
and they they watch the practices and people want to they're so hungry for baseball they go down and spring training in florida and in arizona is a huge event um there are a whole town really that just exists around tiny arizona yeah part of it. and now you can't in, unless the team is really into it like atlanta united had a game in athens georgia this weekend where they had two thousand fans or so in attendance um which strikes me as a much better way to do it because it builds uh, excitement. It gets people invested sure. early. It just makes it sense. It also allows it plays it, to the nerds. Let the nerds have their time. It's also it just it allows you to have your team in the news at a yes. time where MLS teams historically are completely not in the news. And I'm not just talking about DC. I'm talking about virtually every MLS team in the country is not in the news at this stage of preseason and the teams are like, wow, I, if only there was a way we could get someone to pay attention to us for a little bit of a bigger portion of the calendar. Um, this impacts sponsorships. It impacts season tickets. It impacts merch purchasing. It, mer- it, it hits all of those things. Uh, and I'm sure that there are good competitive reasons that we've, we've heard some things that we can't even talk about on the podcast. Um, as to why the team didn't want a certain game in the past streamed or what have you. Um, but the consequence is that this other side of not being open is, you know, a fan podcast uh, by a bunch of people who have nothing better to do is complaining about this not being streamed, um, which is a thing probably playing out on other nerd podcasts throughout MLS. Um, most most of the teams in the league do this kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's frustrating, and I'm sure that there's a – you know, we we don't want our plans out on tape or whatever, but, you know, the other teams are going to figure this out anyway. Um, and it's not like there weren't cameras there. Like, the game was filmed. Sure, sure. Um, and, and also, you know, it's not like you're going to read a ton into, you know, the lineup that we know from this game. It's not a lineup where you're saying, oh, that's DC's game one uh, lineup right there. Um, and certainly in the second half... I don't, I'm not even sure they played the same formation after halftime. It doesn't, doesn't seem like they could have. They may have changed formations in the middle of the first half. We know there right. was a, a, yeah, a, we have, a midfielder came on for a now, forward. Now, I mean, reports that I've, rumors that I've heard is that they spent the first half in a 2-3-5 and the second half in a WM. Uh, but that's just what I'm hearing. Uh, I, I don't know about Ben sourcing uh, on this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, yes, you can underline a competitive advantage to uh people not being sure what position Simonson is going to play because he came in for uh Nigel Roberta in the 33rd minute the team tweeted that out um and he was a midfielder in college DC already appeared to be playing 352 with three in the in central midfield and not with a 10 pushed up i don't think they went to a 361 um but we don't know um, Simonson is a player we talked about on the podcast this one where I'm like, you know, maybe there's a conversion project there, but I was thinking center back. Right. Um, but this is, but this is me watching some highlight reels and talking to two people that have seen him play and being like, yeah, maybe, but I don't really know. Um, and that's it. So it's one of those where, yes, it is harder to read into what their intentions are. I also feel like this game was kind of a, like, let's just, you know, we're, we're building minutes. We're building um match intensity we're getting some tape of ourselves to study and improve ourselves 
Um, but I don't think it's harmful to have that out for the, for the fans. I, I think it's a perfectly reasonable thing for fans to continue to want. And it's kind of unreasonable that MLS clubs writ large tend to skew towards, no, 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 no don't look, don't look. Um, we're, we're not ready. We'll come out in a month. Um, and it's like, well, it's professional sports. Uh, you, you kind of, you're kind of owing it to the people to be out there um, by the same token that when you ask for public funding for a stadium, you kind of owe it to the public to, for them to be able to use the stadium for some things. Some of the time um, these are, it's kind of a, it's kind of a give and take. And it seems like the give towards the fan side on this one is missing. Well, what we've heard about what happened on the field, we, we we've heard that, Jackson Hopkins scored a goal. We've actually seen the video of it. Mm -hmm. It looked like um, a ball across the field from Griffin Yao to Ted Kudi Pietro. Other way around. Other way around. Okay. Who who brought it back to the middle and uh, Hopkins did a great job, put his defender on the floor, put the goalkeeper on the floor and then finished into uh, not quite an open net, but it was a good finish. Yeah, Um, Yeah, it was nice. Uh, he's a, uh, Hopkins uh, showed some real promise last year once he started getting into some Loudon games. I think mid-season they they started adding him in. Um, yes. uh, he had something like three goals or over the course of the their season uh, after he got minutes. Is that I what I said? I think that could be correct. Um, I, I've kind of forgotten, but um, no. He, he for a seventeen-year-old coming in, uh, he's shown some real promise. There's not. I don't think DC took the entire. Loudon squad and Loudon Academy players and all that with them. I think this was a, I don't know this, but I think that this was a selective, you know, let's bring some players who maybe have that shot to take that next step slash some of these guys that are a little more experienced. Um, one of the players that came in, um, uh, Liotti that they just signed um, has a couple of pro seasons under his belt and has had some success uh, in USL league one where he has the experience to hang in an MLS level training session without bringing it down. Um, This is one of those things that the team needs one for, you know, to do the full sessions they want, because if you want to play 11 on 11 uh, in training, for example, you, if you have 22, you're really cutting it close on whether you can do that for more than half an hour. Um, So, yeah, I think that the team has brought some some players along, but it's not like, oh, they sent a full Loudon lineup out there. Um, you know, Chris Odoya Chem was out there from the start. Uh, Hayden Sargas, uh, for the start of the second half, I mean, uh, Hayden Sargas was out there. Um, for some of the draft picks, this is certainly them sort of proving whether they, you know, whether they're going to be Loudon players or maybe they're going to make their push to, you know, climb up the the ladder, so to speak. Um, right. And for... for- for players yep. like Hopkins, I'm I'm mm-hmm. sure the thinking because he's a he's committed to the University of Virginia, and DC United in recent years has seemed to uh, sign homegrown players right before they're they're supposed to head off to college. Right, um, it keeps them in the system and it you know shows that commitment to them. And it, I wouldn't be surprised if Hopkins is a candidate for either a DC United or a Loudon United contract uh, this spring. Um, yeah, Given most likely. Almost done. Yeah, and especially, and especially now that Ted Cudipetro has shown the 
the pathway, pathway, yes, from Loudoun to DC United, it's not going to be as tenuous to sign just a Loudoun contract for someone with these players. If a, if a, and DC United has signed other players from Loudoun uh, as well. And so, showing that there is a definite pathway from Loudoun to uh, DC United is also a good marketing uh, bit for more players to sign with Loudoun. Absolutely. Proving it is a big deal too. Um, And this is one of those like in in a normal non-MLS weirdness club environment, you bring, you know, European clubs bring, promising youth players on to their tra- preseason training, or if they're playing, if they're in a league that has a winter break, um, if you follow Bundesliga clubs, there'll be a random, you know, two or three random 15, 16 year olds that are very promising in their academy or they're playing on their B team that come along to their training camp in, you know, the Mediterranean or Middle East. Um, and it's the same thing of like, let's give them a, some exposure to the first team level um, where they're in these sessions with the best guys we have, um, and then they go back down and, and try and build on what they learn. So it's not, you're not throwing them in the deep end for nine months. You're throwing them in the deep end for a couple of weeks and then letting them have some time to sort of reflect on it and process it and go back to the environment they've been in. Um, and it tends to be a proven method of, you know, it's exposure, but it's not so prolonged that you start to get discouraged if, you know, if you're clearly the fifth best striker, for example, if, you're, if there's five strikers in camp and you're the fifth best one, and you're a youth player and you're used to being the best player at every level. If you're 17 and you're Jackson Hopkins, you're already playing for Loudon. Most likely you've been one or two of the best players on your team over and over again for your whole life. Um, it's a tough lesson to then learn like, yeah, well, we're throwing you in with DC United and like, you're not going to be one of the best two or three guys there. You're not even going to be top 10. Um, it can be tough for youth players to learn that lesson. And so sort of, give them that exposure and then take them out of the environment so they can get back to sort of that building their confidence, building their self-belief and sort of rotating back and forth. That's a good way to bring them along. And I think um, I don't know this. No one's from DC has told me they're intentionally setting out to do this, but this isn't the first time we've seen them do this with certain players. They've looked at this as a sort of a pathway. Ted Cudi Pietro, I think our first viewing of him with DC United was he was 15 or 16. There was a, um, like a preseason friendly or a midseason friendly that they streamed. It might've been like against UVA or Maryland. Like they, they had an early season friendly where they're building up minutes for the guys that didn't play enough in preseason, the the second choice players mostly. And he played in that game. And yeah, I remember it being a talking point, but that was him five years ago. Um, And so this sort of helps slowly, but surely, you know, three, four years from now, we might see the benefits of this kind of policy uh, going forward, which is a good, it's a good thing. DC United has maybe not been like that up until recently. And it's just nice to see the, the process looking more and more like more proven, uh, long-term proven outfits on this front, this, uh, development front. Uh, another thing that seems to point to some, if not long-term thinking, then at least systemic thinking across the organization on the playing side is uh, one note we we saw on Twitter about how they were playing out there, um, especially in the second half. There was no change in the way that DC United played. Uh, everyone yes. understood the assignment and the, the brief was to play maximum overdrive or non Losada soccer. And mm. 
uh, apparently that was not the case for Miami. Miami right. was a very marked change when they they swapped out lineups. But for DC, uh, I'm sure Losada will be very happy to hear and happy to note with his own eyes that the team kept playing the same way, just basically swap out the parts. And the word that I, I, I forget who the reporter was, who was in Miami, who who said this, but he said they were a, like a machine. Yeah, I think it's a Jose Armando from um, uh, Deporte Total, uh, I want to say. Um, yeah, I, I had like six different reporter uh, Twitters open at once to sort of cobble together what we call a scare quotes recap uh, <laughs> in preseason when we don't get these streams. Um, but yeah, his his tweets were very complimentary towards DC and and the the just sort of the the understanding that they have and the the fact that they, you can kind of imply that they are further along as a project than Miami, which is good because we don't want to be where Miami is, um, no. where they are a a complete mess off the field due to their um, penalties for various uh, MLS rule violations, and b kind of a mess because like as we saw last year with Phil Neville, it's kind of like, well, let me try this. Oh, let me try that. Uh, let me try this. Right. All right. To, to be explicit about B, they're still coached by Phil Neville. They are still coached by Phil Neville. Um, it sounded to me like he had them playing like a back three or back five. Um, I saw um, one post say that their previous game, their previous preseason game, they described it as five, two, three, um, which to me is really more, five four one um but i get the idea you're, you're saying the wingbacks are going to step up and be wingbacks and the wide midfielders become part of the front line um people who've watched thomas tuchel uh and chelsea mm-hmm. have seen five two three before um and i think that's what they lined up in against dc as well it sounded like um so that's another interesting wrinkle that dc was able to especially early in the game it sounded like the old uh DC United jumps all over the other team and creates chances very quickly. I, uh, that sounded like what was going on, um, especially from the team account noted multiple shots. I think some of the other reporters noted DC had several chances, um, didn't quite break through, which it's preseason of, you know, people are rusty. We don't actually know what happened. It could have been that big saves were made. It could have been bad misses. Who knows? But I like to hear it that could have been- creating chances right away. That's good. It could have been that a uh, a toddler-sized goal was out on the field. We don't know because we didn't see it. <laughs> One of the little practice goals with right. a goalkeeper in front of it. Yeah, full-size ad- adult goalkeeper ready to go. Um, <laughs> right. I'm thinking of the um, the SNL skit where Will Forte is the closet organizer. He's in the blue um, the blue suit, and he's just protecting the closet as they throw objects in, and they're just hitting him over and over again. Um, and their objects get less and less uh, relevant. You guys I, I believe ones? I'm I don't no. know that one, but it they sounds like with, a Will Forte sketch. Yeah, they I, hit I him with a pie, you. they hit him with a bucket of marbles, etc. At first it's outfits and clothing, and then it becomes stuff that you would never put in your closet, like you know, a pie, for example. Sure. I don't know if you guys put pies in your closet. I, I don't. I mean, sometimes I, it's good to have a secret pie. Okay. I mean that's your business. Then you need the closet organizer, is what it sounds like. <laughs> But if you throw it at him, he probably are not going to have an opportunity to eat it. Well, look, that's between you and and the pie and the closet organizer, Ben. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your pie. Uh, That's fair. One DC United player who we know scored uh, this week was Edison Flores, who scored a game winner for Peru against uh, Colombia in Colombia. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A wild ride for all of us. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
because this game wasn't streaming anywhere. This was, um, or it was, but you had to have like Fubo. Stream I think. all the games. Um, well, if you had a Fubo membership, you could have watched this. Right. I don't, so I couldn't watch it. So I was just trying to monitor Twitter. Like, uh, Twitter it's like, that. It's like Twitter. telling me I need a Goal TV subscription these days. A little bit. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, there, this, the tweets were that he was carried off the field in significant pain. Potentially severe like injury. A major injury. I believe Never there was mind. The, rotate, the rotating red light uh, emoji was used. Yes. Um, and Wait, then never mind. He's back he... on the field. He's playing. He's still <laughs> yeah. playing. Wait, he just outran the entire Colombian defense and scored a goal. A, a huge goal. A huge um, goal late in the game to put Peru ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, in an otherwise game-winning... scoreless game. A game-winning goal that pushed them into one of the automatic qualification spots. They were tied with Colombia entering the game, so they're both right on the brink, like right on the bubble of being in or out. Um, and this was, like Adam said, at Colombia. Um, and so one of may- maybe the biggest goal he's ever scored, yeah. uh, quite frankly. Um, a huge which, goal for uh, Peru, too. Huge goal for Peru. Um, and... I feel like for, a, for if anyone on DC United was going to score a major e- emotionally shifting goal that might change their trajectory as a player this preseason, I feel like Edison Flores would have been a good player to pick for that goal. Yes. Um, so hopefully this goal is uh, a big lift to him because uh, and, and hopefully he stays injury free because this is the second time this preseason that yes. we've heard of a report of something happening to him, um, which sticks with trends since he's gotten here um hopefully this he looked yeah he also looked fast uh on this replay if you track it down in a way that i don't know that he has looked fast with dc so uh his his winter i think he spent most of it training at peru's training center um in lima the big facility they've got for the national team um and hopefully this is a sign of that hard work paying off and hopefully at last I think it's fair to say at last, hopefully, that DC gets the best out of him because I've been saying this whole time, there is a good player in there. It's just a matter of can we get that best player, that version of, of Flores out for DC? And the answer so far has been very, very small, like a few minutes at a time, and then it's over. Yeah. So uh, shout out to David Ospina for his positioning and his lean uh in goal on that play um i i just want to thank him for for clearing the way i mean flora still had to finish there was not a big window to actually score but there was enough of one and he made it count um so thanks for aspina for opening that window uh one last bit of player news before we uh take a break and that is that um DC United's links to Toluca and Ecuador striker Michael Estrada uh, seem to be getting stronger uh, since we mentioned it on last week's show. More reports connecting him to DC. And then right before we, we came on to record this, he was apparently taken off of the Liga MX player directory search website, uh, or at least uh, our friend Ryan Kiefer noticed that he was gone from that. So uh a lot of smoke around that uh what could be alone what will i hope will be alone because he hasn't scored this season for toluca and i would prefer not to spend a lot of money on a player who hasn't scored this season the tweet the tweets are the tweets are not saying loan like the tweets were originally saying loan they're not currently saying loan but i will say that the tweets that came out today were 
they struck me more as people who are like, I think this is going to happen, so I'm just going to throw a guess out there. Right. Um, well, yeah. Rather than people that, being like, I have someone telling me this is going to happen. Yeah, that, that, that's what the tweets are. The tweets um, are the tweets. Can I can I get some, uh, before we finish the segment, some breaking news. It looks like Ulysses Segura just announced that he is uh, back playing for Saprissa. Oh. So he left uh, Austin FC and is um, back with Saprissa. Now he's got like a video of him... Um, not really sure what's going on in the video, but it looks like he's messing with his phone. Uh, Did he ever play they, for Austin? I know he was hurt. He had for... an injury. Yeah, I, I don't think he actually took the field for them. Um, I know he and Junior Moreno were doing um, some workouts together, um, but I don't know where they were. And now it looks like Segura's uh, Sup- back with Saprisa now. So it's probably for the best for him. Um, get back to a club that I know means a lot to him, but that's just some, some XDC news that broke literally right now. One more player that we do have to talk about. And we we talked last week about the need to replace Kevin Paredes, who's $7 million moved to Wolfsburg in the German Bundesliga. 7.35 has, sorry, Thank you, Ben. Thank you. That's an important... <laughs> cl- I'll call that a clarification and not a correction. Um, $7.35 million sale to Wolfsburg has been confirmed. He's been introduced. He's going to be wearing number 40. Merch is now on sale, if that is your bag. Um, and we spent... uh, they're even having a contest where you can win two different Paredes uh, number 40 jerseys, the home and away. Signed. Um, autographed yeah, signed. jerseys. They showed him literally signing it in like a windstorm uh, because <laughs> it's winter in Germany. Did you guys know? Um, if if he thought he was getting away from the weather here, he went straight into a place that probably has a very similar situation. Yep. Uh, we spent some time last week on the show talking about the need to replace him because he was one of the, frankly, irreplaceable players on DC United last year. Well, Lucy Rushton wasted no time and went out and bagged a replacement before Paredes was even made official, his move to to Germany. Uh, DC United has sent $750,000 in GAM, general allocation money, Garber Bucks, Monopoly money, whatever you want to call it to Seattle for Australian left wing back Brad Smith, uh, who was a part of their most recent MLS Cup winning side, um, came out of Liverpool's academy uh, before bouncing around in the UK and to Seattle. And now he's in DC. Yeah. Uh, Pretty costly trade, I have to say. Um, Mm -hmm. This was more than, and more than a lot of people were hearing it was going to be. Um, Both... In D.C., I think Steve Goff hinted that it was going to be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars in allocation money, but not high. The low six figures is what we were thinking. And and our our colleague Jeremiah O'Shan was was given a pretty strong hint that we're looking that they were looking at a couple of hundred thousand somewhere in there. Um, The fact that he was for seven hundred and fifty thousand. One does kind of speak to the gamflation that is a. engulfing MLS and is making all these deals a little bit of a, you know, it's kind of a like double take situation. Uh, we're not used to these high prices being this high, but some of it is the money that isn't as worth it, what it used to be. Um, but I still think they did overpay a little bit, uh, given that Seattle was looking to offload Smith for cap reasons because they've loaded themselves up with like a potential all best 11 team. Uh, yeah. Seattle, unfortunately for everyone else is going to be a juggernaut this year. Um, uh, it it turns out there are perks when you are consistently the best run organization in the league. 
it, it, who and also thought? have lots of money like yeah. those two things together it's just like it's so, like a cheat code so like specifically for seattle um because last year they played a lot with wingbacks this year they're going to transition back to four two three one and they, i think they kind of expected new who to be sold um i think they were there's been rumors i think for the last like year and a half that he might be uh transferred out I think Seattle had been kind of building a roster based on the idea that he would be transferred out by now. And he hasn't, he hasn't gone anywhere there. The offers haven't been quite right. He hasn't been agitating to leave, I suppose. So um, they still have him. And I don't think they planned on still having him. And that left them with a cap crunch from Brad Smith, um, which it's a win-win for DC. DC needs a player like Smith. Seattle needs to offload a player like Smith, but then maybe your price shouldn't be that high, but it's not that big of a deal. I would rather the team overspend and get the player they need than underspend. And we, which we've done, we've yes. as DC United fans, we yes. spent a lot of time where the team was more cap efficient, um, which is great, but also we're finishing in like ninth place in the East or whatever. And we did not have a fun time. Um, yeah. I think this was a case where it, it's a trade Garth Lagerway definitely wanted to make because as, as Jeremiah has reported they had no cap flexibility uh this year they had basically no gam and they were right up against the cap they had no way to make moves um smith is making six hundred thousand plus um mm-hmm. if not into the tam range then just barely below that that roster max uh salary i would so think well, that comes off the books he gets seven hundred fifty thousand in gam plus another 250 in gam for selling the international spot that smith was taking up to RSL, I think. Um, yes, either I think way, that's where they went. He, he, Garth Lagaway turned this, you know, crunch and turned one by getting rid of one player. Suddenly, they have seven figures of flexibility. Well, I mean, we'll we'll see about that. I I, I would hope that Dave Casper and Lucy Rushton would at least uh, require some of Smith's cap hit to be back. Jeremiah on. Jeremiah reported that no. And the and Seattle's the league, not keeping any of it. The, yeah, we would have gotten those details by now. That if I I believe I have no reason to believe that DC got that they've got one hundred percent of his hit right. on my, their books. The point I was making though is that Garth Lagerway would have had a successful team without making this trade. Yes, DC United would not have had a successful team without somebody of quality in that left wing back spot. And the season starts in less than a month. You got to get somebody. And And I think, I think Garth knew that he didn't, you know, Seattle's not the best run team in the league because they don't put you over a barrel when they have the opportunity. Um, And that's what he did. Uh, And I I can't fault him for it. And I can't fault Rushton or Casper for, for paying the price because it's something United needed. And there's stuff we might not know, like in terms of what the market is for the other wingbacks around the league. Um, what if most of the other teams that had a Smith, uh, a roughly Smith equivalent wingback, um, were just like, no, <laughs> what if that was the response on right. all the other ones? Um, not for sale. And also we don't know, um, what the market was for Seattle in terms of possibly finding a transfer overseas for Smith, because he has played in England. He played, uh, he came up through Liverpool's Academy system, right. um, played in the premier league with Bournemouth. He was actually brought back, like he played with Seattle on loan and then ended up signing a deal after his English contract ran out um, to play at Bournemouth. Um, So there is 
there are people in England that are interested in having him at the very least. And I don't think that would have gone away in the last year. Um, so there is probably a way for them to have drummed up a, a bit of a market for Smith. Um, so we don't know who DC was competing with on this front. Um, we just, you know, we know that they, they got the deal done. Um, different player from Paredes for sure. Uh, and actually it kind of plays into this idea that we've talked about a couple of times now about the report that DC's leaning towards playing with two strikers up front seems to be that they did that at least in the first half of this preseason game. Um, and it got me thinking as to, you know, the nature of, of if you're going to play with two strikers, what does that mean? What does that apply? How does that apply to the rest of the group? And I think Smith maybe fits that mold really well. Um, when you think of last year, especially playing three, four, three, if they, if you think about how they generated wingback, uh, crossing opportunities or opportunities to play the ball in, however, Gressel did it, it was usually Ariola or someone else from the right, the right side, checking to him, someone else from the midfield coming over, they make a triangle. Maybe it's Andy Nahar coming up. Um, but they create that triangle with an overload and they free Gressel up. And that means that you've got. Ola Kamara most of the time, and then your left forward or someone from the midfield, someone in there is making that second run. So most of the time Kamara is coming near post and the next person going to the far post. Um, but that, that second person has, no matter who it is, no matter where they're coming from, they've got a longer distance to cover. It's a harder run to make. And it's a harder run to have to make over and over again in the course of a game, knowing that maybe only one of them is going to count. Um, and playing with two out and out strikers instead means you don't you, that second run is not coming from as far away and it's not a player who is you know you're not that back post opportunity isn't falling to a defensive midfielder or a wing back or even someone like Adrian Perez it's falling to Nigel Roberta or it's falling to Ola Kamara or hypothetically someone from Toluca perhaps uh coming in um or eventually it's falling taxi front right, right it's falling to a specialist forward um, but that means you want different service is the thing. Um, you want service from both sides like Gressel. Whereas when you played with three up front, I think Paredes, that dribble penetration that he could provide, um, it creates different chances. You're not looking for so many crosses and cutbacks. You're looking for chances through the middle. So you want those overloads to come more centrally. Um, I think if DC is going to play with two up front, getting this different mode of service where it's a little more similar to Gressel and Smith does play the game more similar to Gressel than he does to Paredes for sure. Um, I think that is the way to go. If you're going to play with two up front, um, having more cutbacks, you don't want, you don't want to increase the volume of crosses because as no. we've talked about so thank much, you for, thank you for clarifying yes, that for me, uh, especially for Adam's <laughs> sake, but for, for everyone's sake, um, just hit Adam, Adam, just put it in the mixer. If you're going to say it, say it with the accent, Ben. I want a crappy English accent anytime no, someone I'm not, says I'm not the phrase, to. put it in the mixer. You got to put uh, on a stupid accent for it. Unless you're, unless you're trying to put something in a blender to, to make some sort of a pulverized food product. Um, but yeah, uh, getting more crosses, more cutbacks seems to be the way they're going to go. That's why you would play two out and out strikers rather than um one central nine and then the, the two wide forwards or two attacking midfielders underneath when it was three four two one um so i think that's part of the thought process here um with smith and and i know um on one hand it's like okay dc is getting a second choice player from within mls to 
uh, fill in a starting need. It feels like, you know, a, a, a 2013 kind of move uh, when you look at it purely in those terms. But most of the indicators are that Smith was a high-end attacking uh, fullback wingback last year. It's just that Seattle is so overloaded that they have the luxury of being like, well, we don't need this like excellent MLS player. We can get rid of him um, yeah. because that's Seattle. Better production numbers than Kevin Paredes did last year. Yes. As far as goals and assists in not that many more minutes. So, and, and yes, for, for a team that was better than DC last year. Right. Um, so um, though I will, I will say, and I'll, I'll kind of die on this hill that I think Ola Kamara deserved to be in the best 11 more than Raul Rui Diaz did last year, but that's a, that's a relitigation of things that uh, our our Seattle friends might not enjoy, and I don't feel like going into too deep. But <laughs> I think personally, um, whether it's I mean we don't know if Kamara is going to be around. This trade rumor is still around. Um, we're, it still persists. It hasn't been settled uh, one way or another. Um, but yeah, if if it's a situation where you have him and Gressel both providing very similar service, on one hand, I, I'm kind of I kind of prefer more of a a mix where if if one side is very heavy on crosses and cutbacks, I want the other side to be more dribble heavy. Um, but also like we just talked about, can you just find another Kevin Paredes hanging out in MLS? No, uh, you, you cannot. Um, and when they tried to move Andy Nahar out there, it didn't really work. Um, so yeah, for multiple reasons, I feel like this is not one to feel bad about unless you're really worried about cap efficiency. And I would advise you don't worry too much about cap efficiency. Right. Worry about if the team wins games. It's, it's not our money. Like, right. You, what we care about is the, is the games the on trades, the field. If the team trades a little too much gam, you're going to be fine. Um, right. Now, if they trade too much gam and handcuff themselves for years, that's a different problem. Right. But I don't think the team is handcuffed by this because they've just brought in so much gam from multiple deals. And and had who knows what left over from other things. So um, yeah, it, it's an, it's an interesting one, um, but it's not necessarily as bad as people made out, even though I was a big, I think they overpaid uh, opinion right. haver it, and still it am. Be, it can be that they overpaid. And also it was not objectively the wrong thing to do. Yes. That's that. That's the short version of what I, of what I was trying to yeah. get to. That's the uh, summary, which is good. It's good to I have wanna... the summary. I, that's what I'm here for, man. Uh, I do want to get into what kind of player Smith is, because he's not just a Gressel clone. He's also a supremely athletic and yes. strong, strapping Australian lad. Um, no. So he makes a he makes a lot of sense in the press, I think. Yeah. Um, especially knowing that the, the wingbacks have to push up and they have to contribute to the press. Having him there to both... Uh, be physical in that phase of the game and then also be able to get on his horse and get back. Uh, yeah, I think seems he's like a, a, a really good thing to have. I think he's a much better fit, at least on paper than Joseph Mora is as a replacement for Kevin Paredes. He does uh, the Hernan Losada things uh, much better. And I think that's, that that's why he's here. That's why they uh, paid what they did for him because they wanted somebody who is in that mold for this position. They're starting to, uh, 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 create the team in their own image at this point. And, um, yeah, Brad Smith is that where, uh, Joseph Mora wasn't. Yeah. Um, and, and I think maybe more 
a little faster than Mora, but more direct, more powerful. I think his acceleration is higher, um, which is huge um, in a pressing system because you're generally, you're winning the ball. It's a loose ball. Can you and get it, to that ball and get the ball off your feet in in a faster time than the defender can put in a challenge yeah, on you? Yeah, it's, it's it's like it's speed over 10 feet, not, not yeah. straight line DeAndre Yedlin speed. Right. Um, and, and I think Smith has more a beat on both of those, but I think the more important one is yeah. his ability to accelerate quickly. Um, the, the physicality is there's a certain old school British winger mentality towards the way he kind of approaches thing, which is the, in the modern game is much more of a wing back, uh, way Chalk of, on your of boots. not so much that just, just the, the, um, the straight ahead, the kind of, uh, keeping the thought process simple, but not because you don't have ideas. It's just, let me keep this simple because simplicity and speed of movement as the U S just showed in a negative way uh, in their game (laughs) against Canada, being keeping things simple and keeping things going are very important. The faster you can play, the faster you can keep the ball moving forward. um, The more likely the other team is not going to be able to get into a shape where they can do something about what you're trying to do. Um, and DC is very, they've made no bones about being, they want to be a team that is getting to the point. This is not a, I'm sure Los Auto would have no problems if they score a goal where they string 35 passes together. I think he would probably quite enjoy that. Uh, you enjoy that quite a bit, but most of their goals are not going to come from that many passes. They're going to come from the ball turns over. Someone's already making the run before it's even been completely claimed by DC. The run's already on. The ball is in behind somebody. The ball is into the box. You're shooting. Um, That is how DC is going to go about their business. And Smith, I think, plays with that style. He's not going to overcomplicate the game, which is a a big plus, I think, in a DC system um, where new players that maybe have that aspect to them where they're like, well, let me take an extra touch here and there that would kind of need to be drummed out of them a little bit. Smith, that's not going to be a problem. He's not going to be the guy taking one too many touches. He's going to be, if anything, the guy who is maybe you're a little worried about his decision-making going back, defending. Um, The effort will be there, but the decision-making is a a little less solid, but that's why he's a wingback instead of a fullback. But going forward, I think it's going to be very much a, you guys want to, you know, put, stomp the gas pedal, and that's the only thing, great. That's that's who I am. I also like this, so let's go. Um, which is great. This is what the stylistically, at least, it's it should be a good fit. He makes sense for maximum overdrive, and that's that that's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's, good that they're I mean, bringing in that you, player. Yeah, you don't want to bring in a player who just doesn't make sense for the, for the team. And it, on paper, at least, you know, maybe he gets here and it doesn't work at all. It'll be a big problem for DC. Yeah. Um, Though, you know, we do have to say we don't know how good uh, Gaussu Samake is at the MLS level. That's still an unknown. Um, but it, again, that's another player who plays a little more in the Smith mold than in the Mora mold or the Paredes mold. Um, he is, they're both very similar in that aspect. Their, their style of play is to the point, uncomplicated, um, based around speed, based around uh, being physical, but also when you get on the ball, are you being positive with it? Not just hoofing it in the box, but you're actually trying to solve a problem just quickly and to the point. You don't want it to be, I'm going to take seven touches to solve the problem, but you also don't want it to be, I solved the problem by kicking the ball in the general direction of the goal and hoping something panned out. Um, right. it's, there's a happy medium, and that's what they're, both of those players tend to look for. Uh, we won't get a chance to see him on the field 
until uh, after we record our next episode, most likely DC United uh, is returning from Florida to the DMV this week uh, and training here before heading West next weekend. Uh, Their next game is Thursday, February 10th against the Metros in Coachella. So yes, they're going to Coachella. uh, Presumably there will be uh, a hologram of a, a dead musician mus- musical artist on the field and then their next game after that will be at burning man <laughs> yeah, right um the the object of the burning man game is just to get through one night alone in the howling winds of the desert um <laughs> and also to not leave any trash behind that's a big burning man thing is to yes. not yeah. leave any of uh any of your refuse behind um so they'll have to clean up all the tape and uh pre-wrap and uh, all the other stuff <laughs> if you see someone having a bad trip, you know, help them through it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that, that went in a weird direction there at the end. Thank you all for listening to <laughs> this week's episode of filibuster. Find us at black You can support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Find us on Twitter at black and red. You at filibuster DCU at 202AMT, at Jason DC Soccer, at Bromley Soccer. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, and especially give us ratings, write reviews wherever you get your podcasts, and tell a friend about the show. That's still the best way to spread the word about this show. Uh, thanks again for listening. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. Say goodbye, Jason. Big shout out to unions. Hell yeah. Thank you.